Hear now a reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by His blood, will we be saved through Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, we all have struggles in this life, and sometimes we get really tired of dealing with them. Day after day, we just can't catch a break, and after a while, we start wondering, What's the point? Is it ever going to get better? Is there any purpose or meaning in this suffering? If the struggle is drawn out for too long, it can start feeling like a losing battle, and in a spirit of hopelessness, we can be tempted to give up. But I have good news for you today. Your struggles do not have to be meaningless, nor do you have to be plagued with hopelessness. In fact, considering our scripture reading this morning in Romans 5, I want to consider a counterintuitive claim that our struggles and the suffering that comes out of them can actually be a gift. From the very beginning, I want to stress the importance of honestly acknowledging your own struggles. As a pastor, it's sad for me to watch so many people deny or minimize their pain. Sometimes the pain is so overwhelming that it's scary to even think about it. So we pretend it's not there, immerse ourselves in endless distractions, and act as if our life is perfect. We see this most often on social media, but for some people, it's a way of life. Others admit that they have struggles, but downplay their significance. The main strategy here is comparison. Someone might say, well, I'm having some struggles in my marriage, but it's nothing compared to what my best friend is going through. Or, I'm having some problems at work, but at least I have a job. So many people are unemployed right now. 
In this way, some people fail to fully acknowledge the suffering they are experiencing and how it has a real impact on their lives. But if we minimize or deny our struggles, it will be difficult to find enduring solutions. After all, we cannot change what we don't acknowledge. Now, I'm not saying that all comparisons are bad. Sometimes we need to put our suffering into a larger context so that we can see it more honestly and retain the capacity for gratitude. As I mentioned in a previous sermon, it's unhelpful to horribleize our struggles, making them worse than they actually are. Comparisons can sometimes help us in this regard. But just as we don't want to horribleize our suffering, we also don't want to deny or minimize it. And sometimes the way that we make a comparison can function to sweep it under the rug, to downplay it. So we need to be careful here. Instead of horribleizing, denying, or minimizing our struggles, we are challenged to honestly acknowledge them, which opens the path to healing and sustainable change. So, just because you are not currently suffering from some major loss, illness, or injury, don't assume that this message is not for you. If you are a human being, then you suffer. And if you are willing to fully acknowledge your pain, then this message may prove helpful. Your pain matters, and not just to you, but also to God, because God loves you. Now, let's turn to our scripture reading to get some new insights that can encourage and strengthen us. While this may seem strange, there is a sense in which we must read this passage in Romans 5 backwards to truly understand it. So instead of starting with verse 1 and moving step by step through verse 11, as I sometimes do, I want to start with verse 11 and work our way up. When we do this, we see that the promise of this passage is grounded in God's unconditional love for us. This unconditional love is writ, is writ large across Scripture, but we see it most clearly in Jesus where, according to Paul, God has reconciled us to himself. The word reconciliation points to a breach, a brokenness, a barrier between us and God that must somehow be overcome so that we can be reunited in love. It points to a rupture in our relationship with God and, consequently, with others and ourselves. We have been estranged, and reconciliation is what must happen to overcome that estrangement and mend the relationship so that it can continue. Because unless the breach is healed through reconciliation, the relationship ends. And when it comes to our relationship with God, it's a matter of life and death. Fortunately, God knows this. And God also knows that we are incapable of healing the breach. Since God loves us unconditionally and wants to be in loving and life-giving relationship with us, God acts. God acts in Jesus to save us, to create the possibility of forgiveness, healing, and reconciliation. And 
God does this while we were powerless in our sin. This means that before you even knew you needed help, before you knew the exact nature of your wrongs, before you had any twinge of guilt, before you said you were sorry and started cleaning up your life, before you even took a half step toward God, God sacrificed everything to save you and to create the possibility of a new life filled with good things. And God did all of this while we were enemies of God, while we were at our worst, breaking God's heart and wreaking havoc in our relationships. While we were living in open rebellion against God, God acted for us out of an unadulterated, unconditional, unfathomable love. And none of us deserves it. In fact, we deserve the opposite. But part of what grace means is that God does not give us what we deserve. In addition to accomplishing your salvation in Jesus and offering it as a gift, God constantly and continuously works in and through every experience of your life to bring you to a point of decision, to bring you to a point where you can see your need for help and where you can come to believe that God loves you unconditionally and will go to any lengths to help you. God works through all the people, places, and things in your life to lead you to a point where you can see the gift and receive it for your own healing and transformation so that you can experience an abundant life flourishing with good things. And again, God does all of this for you while you were still sinning and living as an enemy of God. Now, I want to pause so that we can try to fully take this in. Because if we're being honest, many of us find this hard to believe. It just seems too good to be true, and we have a difficult time trusting it. It's so radical and contrary to our experience that we need help believing it. We need the gift of faith. And this means that your very ability to glimpse this truth about God's unconditional love is itself a gift from God and evidence of God's healing action in your life. But it's a gift that comes to us as a challenge, as a challenge to accept in the deepest parts of our hearts that we are accepted, that we are unconditionally loved by God. This means that nothing you have ever done or will ever do can make God stop loving you and striving for your good. Even your refusal to believe in God, to trust in God, or to rely on God is not enough to push God away. God loves you with an eternal love and is always for you, is always working for your good. And you don't have to do anything to earn this love. In fact, you cannot do anything to earn this love. It is simply who God is and it's given as a gift. This knowledge of God's love and activity in our lives is the ground of our hope. As we literally live, breathe, move, and have our being in this infinite love, we are given permission to be a human being. And this means, in part, that we are given the time, space, and resources to work through our struggles in productive ways. While all of us suffer, the reality of God's unconditional love means that our struggles are not futile. 
Our pain is not without purpose, and we do not suffer alone or without hope. Experience teaches us that hope makes all the difference in the world when we are suffering, because without hope, we have no future. Which is why in Dante's Inferno, there is an inscription above the entrance to hell that says, all ye who enter here abandon hope. A life without hope is a living hell, but a life with hope holds promise, a promise that things can get better. As Christians, our hope is in God, that God abides with us and works in and through all the ups and downs, all the successes and failures, and this changes the way that we understand our suffering. Think about it. If God is at work in us when we suffer, then God can do something about that suffering. God can heal us in a way that makes our pain productive, productive of something good. This, my friends, is what we call redemption. While we don't blame God for all the bad things in our life and all of our suffering, we do believe that God can bring something good out of the suffering. God has the power to redeem any situation. Knowing that God loves us unconditionally, knowing that God is always already acting for our good, even when we are living as enemies of God, Knowing that God is using any means necessary to lead us home so that we can see and receive the gifts of healing and salvation. Knowing that God is capable of completing the good work that He has begun in us. And knowing that God can redeem even the worst experiences. All of this gives us a new perspective on our pain. This is why Paul can say, that we not only boast in the hope of God's love, but also that we glory in our suffering. To glory in our suffering means to value it, to appreciate it, to see how our suffering can be a gift because of what it can produce in us. Within the context of God's unconditional love and redeeming power, our suffering can produce endurance or perseverance a tenacity and strength that empowers us to persist in doing what is right even when it's difficult and requires sacrifice over a long period of time. Perseverance is what allows us to keep putting one foot in front of the other when we want to drop to the ground and say, I quit. And as we learn perseverance, it produces something else in us, character. And not just any character, but as Christians, it produces the character of Jesus. Jesus not only reveals and proves God's love for us on the cross, Jesus not only accomplishes our salvation and offers it as a free gift, but Jesus also reveals the kind of character that leads to a good life. Hence, Paul says that since we have been made right with God by the death of Jesus, when we were enemies of God, how much more shall we be saved by his life? Jesus shows us the way to live, the kind of character we must acquire if we are to be truly joyful and content. But the development of this character involves struggle and it takes time, something we know from experience. We simply do not grow without struggle 
conflict, discomfort, and pain. Which is why Paul says that we develop the character of Jesus in our suffering by persisting in the good as we endure the suffering. And when we persist in doing what is right in the face of struggle and develop the kind of character that makes us look like Jesus and act like Jesus, it multiplies and fortifies our hope, a hope that does not disappoint because it is grounded in God's saving, healing, reconciling, and redeeming love. In the light of these truths, our struggles, our sufferings are not futile or meaningless. Rather, they are productive. They produce in us what is necessary to be joyous and free. So if you are struggling today, don't give up. Don't lose hope. Keep persevering in doing what is right in the face of suffering. Remember that following Jesus and becoming the person God wants you to be is a lifelong journey filled with successes and failures. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Just keep moving forward, trusting that even if you cannot complete the good work that God began in you, that God can and God will complete that good work. So don't give up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, and all the struggles will have been worth it in the end. So hear this final verse of Scripture taken from James 1.12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And that, my friends, is the good news of the gospel this morning. Amen. Friends, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Knowing this, we will confess our sins together in just a moment. But before we do, I want to encourage those of you who have not made a decision to follow Jesus, or for whatever reason, have drifted away to receive the gift of salvation. This always starts with confession. So I invite you to join in the prayer of confession with sincere hearts. But in addition, I also invite you to ask Jesus to heal you, to save you, and to renew your strength in doing what is good and right in the face of suffering. You can do this after the formal prayer or after receiving the bread and cup of communion. However you choose to do it, please don't miss this opportunity for a second chance at a good life. Please join me in the prayer of confession printed on your screen. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church we have not done your will, we have broken your law, we have rebelled against your love, we have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's 
love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.